following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, we're going back to Mark this morning, chapter 2. And we're going to look again at the first 12 verses. Um, uh, that's at page 837 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful. Um, I made a joke this morning. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 again, uh, even though we looked at them last week. Uh, that was an old sermon, so I'd prove we can't do it again. Um, if you remember last week, we talked about the um, paralytic um, and his four friends and how their care and commitment for each other combined with their shared faith made them go above and beyond the ordinary uh, to get their friend to Jesus and how we can follow that example of those five men. And I hope you were encouraged by that word last week, knowing that we um, are far more than just an incidental group of individual believers. Um, like those five men, we too are family. Well, that was really only one part of the story. Uh, I've, I've said before uh that uh, we often inject ourselves into the story and we try to make figure out who's the hero and, and uh, where we are and what part we play. We only talked about five guys, but there was a lot more people there that day. Um, so we're going to look at the rest of the story. Uh, um, we see old radio story tell Paul Harvey and now page two, you know, the rest of the story. So let's look, take a look at the text and, and we'll see all the players in the scene. Mark 2, start at verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, this is Jesus, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, What does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, excuse me, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way you have already ministered to our hearts this morning, reminding us of the great love that you have for humanity to send your Son in such humble conditions. And Lord, now as we turn to your word, I pray that you would focus our eyes uh, on the purpose of your coming, that our hearts would receive the message you have for us. Lord, we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last week we made a big deal about a paralytic and his four friends. Although he was probably more than four, it's just he was being carried by four men. The four guys weren't qualified at first. It just says they brought him a paralytic carried by four men. Could have been 50 million people, but it only took four guys to carry him. But who else was there? We know at least five guys and Jesus, right? But there's a lot of people here. Um, Jesus was there. A handful of scribes were there, as well as the crowd that made it almost impossible to get close to Jesus. Now, I think that it's very important um, to remember that the Gospels, the four Gospels, the books, uh, are so much more than just a collection of random stories. Um, they're, they're not just the tales of Jesus, right? It's more than that. They're also not a historical record of every single thing that Jesus ever did or said, right? If you remember from the Gospel of John, he wrote, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So the Gospels are a synopsis, right? Uh, in fact, the scholars... Here you can impress your friends with words like this. They call the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. There. You can say, well, that must be from one of the Synoptic Gospels. And impress your friends. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so the Gospels were strategic. They're not random. They're not complete historical archives either. And what I mean to say is that this account and the facts included in this account, this account here of Jesus was included for a specific purpose. It's not just Mark remembered, oh, remember that story? I'll write that down. Remember that story? I'll write that down. The Holy Spirit is at work here. And this account was included for a specific purpose. And the purpose clearly was to sell flannel graph sets. Right, so you can, the guys and the strings. Yeah, right? This, uh, I love that. <laughs> so we talk a lot about flannel graph stories and the characters. And, and though last week we made much of the five friends and their faith and, and their relationships, those five guys are not the heroes of the story. They are what um, is it called the foil. They are a literary device 
called a foil. And here's um, what I mean by that. In literature, there are three main types of characters. The protagonist, the antagonist, and the foil. Are you familiar with this? I'm sure they're working on this in third and fourth grade English class nowadays, right? No? Okay, well, I'll tell you what they are. The protagonist is the hero of the story. He's the one trying to accomplish the goal, whatever that happens to be. And the antagonist, all right, you're good at Latin, pro is for, anti is against, right? So protagonist is for the cause and antagonist is opposed to the cause, okay? The antagonist is the one opposing the villain. Y'all look very interested in this. Like, that's what I came here for this morning. Right. The antagonist is the villain, right? Snidely whiplash with his curly, uh, right, his curly mustache. And the foil is the one used to highlight the differences or the contrast between the antagonist and the protagonist. They kind of, their job is to reveal the plot, um, uh, the the uh, the difficulty between the antagonist and protagonist. So that's what the five guys and were, the paralytic and his four friends. They're revealing the differences between the hero and the villain. So they are very important, but not the hero. Um, Jesus is the hero. In fact, in every story that you read in Scripture, every account, Jesus is always the hero. It doesn't matter if he's even mentioned by name, he's still the hero. You can read through Leviticus and find that Jesus is the hero of the stories. We did talk about that a little bit before. So the five guys, their job really is just to reveal the difference between Jesus and the scribes. So let me ask you, think about the paralyzed man. What's his main problem? What's his real issue? Is it that he can't walk? Yeah. It's not that he's paralyzed. That's not his main problem. It may be an issue for him, I'll admit. That's, I'm sure that's a big problem for a person. But it's not his main problem. His main problem, as you said, was his sin. That's all our main problem, in case you are curious. Uh, it's not uh, whatever condition you might have or whatever trouble or trial you might be facing in your life. Our main problem is sin. And all this other stuff kind of plays the foil to reveal that in our lives. Now, I want to be very clear that though this man's main problem was sin, his his paralysis was not caused by his sin, Okay. It's very easy for us to think whatever problem I'm having is God's judgment on me, right? This, this, uh, this, this boat is experiencing disaster because I gambled in the casino, right? Uh, no, that's not, that's not it. This man was not uh, paralyzed as a result of his sin. We don't know what the story is and how he got to be paralyzed. Maybe it was he got hit in the head while he was murdering someone. But we don't know that part of the story. We just know that his sin, his paralysis is not caused by his sin. It's not caused by the sin of his parents or his grandparents, nothing like that. This man 
was paralyzed so that we could read this story. So that we could see the power of Christ and glorify God like those people did that were gathered in the house that day. That's the purpose of every trial that we face, just so you're aware. So that we can see the power of Christ at work. Every difficulty that we face has the same purpose. And when you say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? It's glorify Christ. See the power of Christ at work despite whatever problem it is and glorify God. That's the purpose of our trials. So because sin is this man's main problem, that's the problem that Jesus attacks first. Right? Was, was the purpose of the five men, or the, the four guys or the people, whoever, however many it was, bring the paralytic to Jesus was their purpose. Let's go get his sins forgiven. No, no, it wasn't. But Jesus recognized that's his problem. Verse 5 says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now I ask you, uh, we just, we read through these verses. Can you tell me how many miracles Jesus performs in the text? How many? Two? Anybody else? I got two. Can I hear three? Can I hear three? Anybody three? Can I three? Get a three? It's three. Okay. You're right. It's three. Uh, I don't know about the fourth one. I can only quantify three. Who knows how many? He's also keeping the stars in place at the same time. So we're kind of leaving those types of things out. Jesus performs three miracles that we can see in the text. And the first is the forgiveness of this man of sin. Were the scribes wrong when they're thinking, who can forgive sins but God alone? Were they wrong? No. They're just confused about who God is. Right? They didn't recognize his city right in front of them. The last line of the text is a very comprehensive statement made by the people who were there. They said, we never saw anything like this. They, the, Jesus said, a man of sin is forgiven and then it's a, a lame man and made you walk. They never saw anything like that before. And it's true. People had never seen anyone with the power to forgive sin. Nor had they ever seen anyone with the power to make the lame walk. And neither had the scribes. What they were witnessing here was so far removed from their experience and understanding. They literally thought it was not supposed to happen like this. Supposed to happen like it's always happened. Sound a little bit like church speak. This, this is the way we've always done it. Right? <clears throat> Wasn't supposed to happen like that. That's what they thought. And here's where Jesus performs his second miracle. Knowing the mind of the scribes. That's not just like, I can tell you guys by the t-shirts you're wearing, you know. <laughs> with Jesus with a big circle across out, right? <laughs> no. Look back at verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, there are some uh, some people that say that Jesus was able to know uh, know their minds because being God, Jesus is omniscient. Another word you can impress your friends with, omniscient, all-knowing, right? Lots of Latin lessons today. Omni is all-ishent, <laughs> knowing, omniscient, all-knowing. Right? So there are some, some that say Jesus knew what they were thinking because he already knew before they were born. He knew what they were going to think. Right? And there are some who say that he just had the full grown gift of discernment. Right? We talk about the gift of discernment from time to time. Um, they could just, he could just tell what they were thinking. Right? Uh, I don't know. I say it's both. Uh, Jesus is God. He gets to do whatever he wants. Right, so I'm going to go with that uh, to start with. Jesus is fully God, right? Let's not miss that point. Jesus is fully God. It's as if God in all his glory is sitting there with these men, right? Also, Jesus is fully man, just like us, just a person like us. And he is full of the Holy Spirit, and his gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all live inside of him in full-grown fashion. So is it possible that he knows because he's omniscient, because he is God? Yes. Is it possible that he knows because he has a full-grown gift of discernment, because the Holy Spirit live inside of him too? Yes. Great. No argument. <laughs> Either way. To know the internal protests of the scribes, to know what they were thinking, was a miracle. Uh, and that was the second miracle that Jesus performed that day. What's funny to me, and I caught myself thinking this as I was writing this week, is that even if we saw these two feats of Jesus as miracles, maybe we don't think of them as the main miracle. Jesus goes on to make this lame man walk again, which is huge, right? I don't know what it's like to be lame that way, but this man could walk all of a sudden. But it is the purpose behind that healing that is huge. That is the, the true main event of the story. Verse 9 says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Which is easier, 
To say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take your mat and go home? It's the same, right? I don't know about the word count, uh, but it's the same. That's what Jesus is saying. It's the same. It's just one is not harder than the other for me to say. It's not harder for him to do one or the other, to forgive his sin or to cure his paralysis. He did them both. What do we need to remember? The paralytic, the end of his story on earth is he died. Paralytic dies. The four friends that carried him in on a bed brave enough to bust open a hole in somebody's roof, died. The crowds, dead. The scribes, dead. (laughs) Let's close in prayer. (laughs) Restoring this man's ability to walk, to pick up a bed, to leave the house, is incredible. I don't have that power. You don't have that power. Jesus had that power. It's an incredible thing. But its effects only temporary. He may have never lied down on that mat again. He may have picked up that mat like Jesus said, walk out of the house, go outside, and set that sucker on fire. I'm never laying down on that thing again. Here I am, right? Who knows? He may have become the world's first marathon runner after that. We don't know. He may have spent the rest of his life sleeping, standing up, because he just never wanted to sit down again, just because he could. But eventually, I guarantee you, with 100% certainty, that man died. And the miracle of his physical healing ended. Hmm. So is that the main miracle? No, it's not. Because its effects were temporary. Yes, we get to read a story, and it has effects on us too. But that man's physical healing was a temporary miracle. But Jesus used it to show his power to perform the greatest miracle. That he has the authority and the ability and the willingness to forgive sins. That's a miracle that's permanent. Verse 10 says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. (coughs) See, the Jews of that day believed that Messiah was supposed to come and build an army, and defeat Rome, so that the nation of Israel would once again reign on earth, like uh, be restored to its former glory, like in the days of King David. That's what they wanted, political revolution. We've seen some political revolutions in our lifetime. Oh, that's eye-rolling, big deal. They didn't realize that Rome was not their biggest problem. The paralytic, I'm not sure, understood that his paralysis wasn't his biggest problem either. Sin has always been mankind's biggest problem. 
mankind as a race of beings and as individuals. Your sin has always been and continues to be your biggest problem. But the problem has one and only permanent solution. And that is the intervention of Jesus. Jesus' purpose as Messiah was not to kick Rome out of Israel. It was not just to restore sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and to make the lame walk and the dead to live again. Jesus did those things, but that's not his main purpose. His main purpose as Messiah is to deal with mankind's biggest problem, sin. The purpose of this miracle, why it was included in the record of Scripture, was to show that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of Man, has the authority to forgive sins. He said so himself. If we miss that, we miss the whole point. And when you read Scripture and you miss that, you miss the whole point. When you read through passages of Scripture that don't mention Jesus' name, you can still find him there if you look. That's the trick. You have to look, right? What's the secret ingredient? Effort. It's yieldedness. You forgot. No, it's effort. It's both, really. If the paralytic missed the true miracle that Jesus forgave his sins, if all he said was, I get to walk again, then he missed the real miracle. Right? All he got was a temporary fix to a temporary problem. Because his non-paralysis, unparalysisness, paralyzed, it stopped eventually because he died. And now, paralyzed. <laughs> he can't move anymore. If all he saw was, a tempor- was the healing of his paralysis, he only experienced a temporary miracle. And if we do that, we're the same. We only get the temporary benefits. The permanent fix to a problem with permanent effects is what everybody there needed, what the paralytic needed, what his four friends needed, what the scribes needed, what the crowd needed, and what we need is the same. It's the forgiveness of sin. That's the permanent effect that everyone needs. Jesus performed this miracle to prove that he is Messiah and to show that the purpose of Messiah is not political revolution, but the forgiveness of sins. This trial was given to this man so that Jesus' purpose and power would be displayed for all to see, for all generations to see. What does that mean for us? It may mean that it is possible that your trials, whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever has been given to you, has the same purpose as this man's paralysis. That God would be glorified. That Jesus' power be made manifest to show that he has the authority to forgive sins. 
The real problem facing this world is sin. And faith in Jesus Christ is the only solution. Now, if we settle, if we just settle for a earthly faith, meaning we just align ourselves with Jesus socially and and politically, and we just kind of connect to the church because we like the people or the music, the preacher, maybe. Here's the problem. If that's it, if that's just a social thing for us, we will be like the people mentioned in Matthew chapter 7, who cried out at judgment day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? We filled all those shoeboxes in your name. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. If this is just a social event, then you're trusting social event to make you good enough. Right, you're trusting in the secret ingredient, effort, to get you to heaven. There's not, it does not work that way. Effort can get you a lot of things, but it will not get you to the throne of God. It will not get you into God's eternal kingdom. Only faith in Jesus Christ can do that. Our trust must be in the person and work of Jesus, our Messiah. We must trust that his death on the cross was for our sins, that he took the penalty that we deserve. And we must also trust him as a living Messiah now. Don't forget that part. He teaches us how to live, how to please God, following his way from his word. Jesus is alive. He is a living Messiah now for us to follow. And we have the choice. We have a choice. We can choose to enjoy the temporary earthly benefits of an encounter with Jesus, being able to walk around. Now we can burn that mat. We don't need it anymore. We can walk around and move our arms until we ultimately die. Or we can, by faith in him, even if our earthly problems persist and never get solved, and even if our infirmities end our lives, through faith in Jesus, we can still walk into his eternal kingdom, never to taste death. The choice is yours. The choice is ours. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If we desire permanent solutions to permanent problems, Jesus is the only way. Faith in Jesus is it. And I hope 
that this might give some perspective to the trials that you're facing, that they do have purpose, and it may not have anything to do with you. The Lord might not be trying to teach you anything, but teach others through your response. This man was given paralysis in order to glorify God and show Jesus' authority to forgive sins on earth. There is a chance that whatever you're going through has the same purpose. I pray that you see it and glorify God because of it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's hard to admit that sometimes the things that we struggle with, the things that we're facing, we think are bigger than our sin, bigger than our biggest problem. Sometimes we can't see the forest through the trees. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us perspective to see that you're at work in every trial, to bring glory to your name, to bring people to your Son, that through faith their sins would be forgiven. Help us, Lord, to appreciate the greatest miracle is that our sins have been forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's any here this morning who have not put their faith in Jesus, may they do that even now. Simply ask for your forgiveness and to entrust their lives to you, that you might make them new and welcome them into your family, into your eternal kingdom. Father, we thank you for that gift that you have given so many of us. May you be glorified in your church this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.